You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. As follows, you have two bachrim, two uh, young men, who are studying in Yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and they share an apartment. Not unusual, they have a dira together. That's, uh, you know, in Eretz Yisrael, around the certain area, around the Geula, Me'asharm, whatever. So there are literally hundreds and hundreds of Bachrim who are living in diras together uh, and uh, hopefully learning Torah. But here you have a, 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 a dira, an apartment with two of them, and one of them tests positive for coronavirus. So uh, that person obviously is in quarantine. He has no issue with quarantine. His roommate says to him, though, listen, you're the one with the virus. You got to find a place to go because I want to stay in the, the deer, which I've rented. And the fellow who tests positive says, listen, I'm perfectly content here. I pay just as much as you do. If you don't want to be here, you go somewhere else. And this leads to, a, leads to a disagreement between the two of them, just a very fundamental disagreement in a situation such as this, who's got to go? Should we stay or should we go or whatever it, uh, that, that song is? So we have to figure out who is going to, uh, who has rights to stay, who is obligated to go, how is halacha going to go ahead and look at this? Yeah, okay. So, to, to, who, to whom did they ask this Shaila? Um, I, I would have to guess. I, I saw it from my friend, my friend in New York. He's the one who, uh, who shared it uh, with me. Uh, I imagine this Shaila has probably come up hundreds of times in, uh, in Yerushalayim. So we're going to see how uh, we go ahead and, uh, and answer it. Uh, it may turn out to be uh, an upcoming, a spoiler alert. It may end up in a business weekly uh, in a few weeks uh, hence. So you may want to look out for it at, the, at that point, but you'll be way ahead of the game. You could tell, uh, at, at, not that you'll have Shabbos meals with people, but you'll be able to say to them, hey, did you read that uh, Shaila? And give them all of the, uh, the information that they need. Okay, so we are going to start with all this, this shows up for you all? It's on the screen? Yes. Excellent, okay. Hopefully it does. And so first thing that we, that we are going to do is we're going to consider and actually discuss what happens when somebody has a, uh, uh, some sort of contagious uh, illness. What exactly is the status? And we're going to begin with this first source over here. This is a Sefer called Mishpat HaMazik. It's a, uh, a Sefer, this is not the Sefer, but it's a Sefer about Yefik, uh, all about the halachas of damages. That's volume one, there's two volumes. So it's a, there's a lot of stuff related to, uh, to, uh, to damages. So he says as follows, he writes as follows, and we're reading over here, this is, I think it's the 12th parak. Uh, he says, Adam b'machla madbeket. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Art, you'll correct me as you as you normally would in class. So a person uh, contracts a contagious disease. That's the madbeket, the dibuk. It attaches to you. And this person with this uh, contagious disease decides that he's going to go walking around and uh, mingle with others. And as a result of that, other people contract this uh, same illness, they get the same virus. And as a result of that, they suffer some sort of damage, maybe doctor's bills, it may be loss of, uh, of, of wages because they couldn't go to work, whatever. This was written pre-corona, this particular paragraph, but it's something which causes some sort of loss. He has to buy medication, I don't know. So he says, yesh ladum. So what needs to be considered is, and it, when, you, when you see in halachas farm this idea, yesh ladun, that has to be considered, what we mean to say is, is that it's not, it's not crystal clear. Whether or not the person who infected others, is he responsible to pay for the damage which they suffer? The doctor's bills, the medications, the loss of, uh, of income, is that person who knew he had the virus, knew he has a virus, knew he has a, a, an illness, contagious illness, went out with others anyways, is that person going to be responsible? So uh, right off the bat, without seeing anything further, so what do you have to say? Uh, Rabbi Schaffel, does this yes. person know that he has it or is it unknown to him? Let's assume for, uh, to make it more dramatic, that he knows perfectly well. Oh, and he's endangering other people. And he is endangering other people, correct. So is, is he responsible for, yeah, yeah, Mel, louder? Lock him up. <laughs> lock him up. Good. We, we could do that moving forward. We could go ahead and we could lock him up. 
but he's already uh, committed some damage uh, before we had a chance to lock him up. Excellent. So uh, in order to uh, begin to, uh, to tackle this, so we need to think about um, what type of damage is, is uh, as a, a, a number of you uh, certainly know. So damages are usually divided into, uh, let's say, four categories. Mishnah at the very beginning of Baba Kama, Arba Avos Nazikin, that there are four major categories or general categories of damages for which a person is going to be liable. So one is what we call shore. That's the first one which is mentioned. So the shore, an animal, your possession, your property. So there's different types of damages. That, that category gets subdivided into what we call shane, what an animal eats. If it damages, eats somebody else's uh, stuff. So that's one type of, it's one category of damage. An animal may behave in some unusual manner like kicking something or goring something, uh, which is uh, which uh, we, we assume is unusual behavior. That's another they're called Karen. Then there's also what's called regal. Regal is animals generally aren't concerned if there's something in their way as they are walking. So if they go ahead and trample some stuff and damage it in that way, so those are the categories of, uh, of, of shore. Then there is what's called bore. Bore is you have a stationary object that somebody walks into, just for simplicity, they walked in, into and they get damaged, they get uh, harmed as a result of that. There's what we call ash, that's uh, damage which results from the damaging thing being pushed by some outside force, an external force which moves, in the case of fire, literally, it moves the fire along. To travel. And then you have automazic. Adamamazik is when you have, this is what we would generally refer to as assault and battery. That's how we normally associate it. So if I go ahead and I uh, slug you in the nose or something like that, I break a nose, I uh, break a kneecap, uh, the Tuesday night people, so Vinny comes and starts, uh, you know, trying to collect his, uh, his stuff. So when Vinny comes and he starts, uh, you know, collecting money, which is owed to him and hasn't been, he hasn't received, so that would also be some sort of assault and battery. And a person is going to be chayv. So if we just assume in general terms, you have shore, that's your, your animal damaging, your property damaging. You have bore, digging a pit in the public domain. You have ash, fire, damaged by fire. And then you have adam hamazik, you have a person who damages. So I, I would imagine that everybody here is going to, at least at first glance, everybody here is going to put this case of somebody who infects others with a contagious disease as adam hamazik. Yes, we would not and say uh, that's where we're, we're going to go with that. So okay. I, I, I'm a little confused. I thought the Sha'ila was who had to move out. I didn't think it was a question of damages to begin with. Well, first we have to figure out it's only going to be, uh, you can only hold somebody responsible to move in the event that he would damage somebody else. So we have to determine whether or not there's going to be damages. And uh, then once we could, if we determine that, if we could put our finger on that, then we could say, listen, if you're going to damage it, then we could potentially say, if you're going to go ahead and damage somebody else, then you have to stop yourself from doing so. So if we could put it into Nazikin, then we could say, you're not allowed to be Mazik. If it turns out that we can't really put it into Nazikin, and I think Batu is shaking her head, no, so we'll see what, uh, what, what she has to, uh, to say. But in the event that we can't put it into that category, so then that's going to complicate the, uh, the question for the roommates. Yeah, Batu, what do you, what do you got? Aish. Aish, excellent. Why are you putting it into Aish? Ah, because my son did a, a Chabura on Baba Kama and talked about like, the, you still have to safeguard it. I mean, viruses or a sickness, a disease is something that's a little bit out of your control in terms of um, spreading. You can do things that which prevent it, but it isn't a, it's not as clear as, um, it's not as clear in terms of damages because it's not guaranteed just being near somebody that it will necessarily infect or not infect or how that will manifest itself. But at the same time, that's not to say, I mean, look, again, I'm against going someplace publicly and spreading disease, but it's more, <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. to me, it seems more of an ish than an actual, uh, than something else, than one of the other categories. Okay, so, so let, let, let's, let's we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we may talk about ish, uh, uh, depending on which uh, direction we end up going with this, but why, why, would, you, why would it not be Adama Mazik? Why wouldn't you put it into that category? 
Because Adam Amazic is intentionally doing something, causing harm, where you are in complete in control of the action and the resulting, like the, the action and the result mm-hmm. of what comes from it. So I wouldn't put it in Mazik because you're not intentional. You don't set out to do damage, whereas an Adam Mazik is uh, premeditated. You know, if I take a hammer and I, or if I punch somebody, I am using that which is belongs to me. I'm in control. I want to actively cause damage. I think that, um, you know, if we're saying somebody who is sick and coughs on someone purpose, like, yeah. was it like the, the basketball player at the way beginning that touched all the microphones, you know, kind of thing that was sort of an, if he had known ahead of time that he was positive and then purposely went and did something that he knew would transfer it directly and cause other people to get sick. But with, I think with the virus that you don't necessarily know how it's, oh, it's intent. Go. It's a question of intent. Yeah. Okay. Intent and, contr- so- and intent and control also. Oh, but those are different things. Because you may believe that you're in control of it. Because like, for example, you're wearing a mask. However, just before you put your mask on, you sneezed on your hand and didn't wash your hand. Uh, that, that, that's not control, but that is in fact, but whether, so then it would be the difference between control and intent. Did you intentionally not wash your hands so you could spread it? Okay, ex- excellent. So, so the two of you, uh, the two cones, are, are touching on the two important uh, points, uh, which also leads to a, to a third point. So I'm going to um, take us through this, uh, you know, one, se- one step at a time. So as far as intent is concerned, the word that, uh, that you guys have brought up, so intent is uh, uh, when it comes to Adam Amazik, that specific category of Adam Amazik. So the Mishnah says, Adam Muad Olam, meaning that a person is always considered to be pre-warned as far as damage is concerned. And Shogeg, and according to most opinions, even Ones, if something happens inadvertently or something happens which you didn't anticipate at all, one would, one would still be responsible for that. Uh, the Tuesday night people probably remember because I, uh, it's one of my favorite uh, things. I should find it again just for, for tonight. Um, but I, I told you the story about somebody who is video, uh, videoing a friend on, the, on a skateboard. And um, in the background, you hear some fella sitting, it was, turns out to be a fella, but you hear somebody sitting on their horn, just eh. And then the guy with the camera, so he turns towards the, wherever the horn is being, uh, is being blasted. And as you look at that scene, what's going on over there is there's a fellow in a convertible, an expensive convertible, uh, who's at a stop sign. And there's an elderly woman who is walking across the street as fast as she darn can, but it wasn't fast enough for that fellow. And he was very frustrated by the fact that she is, uh, you know, from his perspective, she's just plodding along over there. And he was in a rush to probably go nowhere, but just was just in a rush because that's who he is. So when she gets to the front of his car, again, this is like 15 years ago. So, you know, 20 years ago, uh, the, the, this took place. So when she gets to the front of her car, she has a little pecola. She has a little bag of groceries or whatever in her hand. She turns towards the car and she just gives a little ding towards the, uh, you know, the, the front bumper. But what happened to me was she hit the sweet spot on that bumper and she triggered the, uh, it turns out she triggered the, uh, the airbag. So she had no idea that she did that. So she just, she gave it that nudge and then she kept walking on the way and she didn't even look back at the, at the fellow in the car. But meanwhile, the fellow in the car now had the thing blow up in his face, then it deflates and now he can't really go anywhere, wherever he thought he was running to. So now he's sort of stuck because he has a deflated uh, 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 air, airbag, which just went off. That may be an ONS, that may be a certain type of damage for which she is not responsible, because it could be that it was early enough where there were airbags that she didn't even know there was such a thing as airbags in cars. It may have been like something which was so new or so novel to her that it didn't even enter her mind that something like that could happen. But generally, we say the rule is that if a person causes damage, they're responsible, and we're not really so concerned about intent. That is step number one. Now, step number two is what's considered to be adamamazik. So the example that I gave you was if I go ahead and I slug somebody in the nose. So if I slug somebody in the nose with my fist, I went ahead and I broke a nose, everybody's going to say that that's adamamazik, that we don't need to go ahead and specify. Let's say I decide that I don't want to uh, run the risk of hurting my hand. So rather than slug the fellow in the nose, 
I pick up a stone and I throw it at his nose. Same broken nose, just I didn't touch him. So is that automamazic or is a projectile, something which is moving, is that going to be like H, just like fire or something which is moving? So the stone also is something which is moving. Now, the answer is, uh, is no, it's absolutely not. Because there's a, such a thing that a person, it's, uh, we categorize damages, whether it happens from the person physically with their body or what's called koho. If their energy is what caused the damage, like when I throw that rock, it's my energy which is propelling the rock into the victim's nose. So my energy is considered to be part of who I am. That's an extension of me. And that's also going to be Adam Hamazik. Which means if you translate, what? Trying to relate this to the coronavirus case, does it matter? Does it matter? So, if so, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm about to swing it around to the, to the virus right now. Well, no, so, but I, I have a, a general question actually does, that, that happens to apply to the coronavirus case. Does, does it matter? Does it matter if the action the person takes is is definitely going to cause damage, like punching him in the nose, or is it is it equally bad if if the if his action just has some not vadai chance of of doing damage? So hold on one second. I'm going to get to that in, the, in one second. Yeah, Chana. Yeah, you're, you're muted, Chana. Sorry, I spend too much time um, talking while things are muted. Um, I just want to clarify before we move forward that. We said that the Adam Hamazik is damages that are categorized by the energy. And does that mean it does does that also mean intent? Uh, intent is not going to be is not going to be relevant. Just if, if if a person's body or energy causes damage, so they're responsible. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, it's like the saying, I, I don't want to get uh, what's it called? I don't I don't want to get uh, political, but Halacha would say that it's not guns that kill people, it's people that kill people. Right, so even though the person, their action was pulling the trigger backwards, their motion was away from the person. But since that that pulling of the trigger propels the uh, the uh, the bullet outwards, we consider that to be automamazic. Even though the person didn't touch them, but that's still considered to be their energy. That's still considered to be them. That's what we call giri delay. That's the Gemara's term. Giri delay is Aramaic for it's your arrow. So when you shoot an arrow and then the arrow goes shooting uh, through the air with the greatest of ease, uh, you know, wh whether it hits a person, whether it damages property, it doesn't make a difference. That's considered to be your koach. That's considered to be your energy, which caused that damage. And since your energy caused that damage, so you're responsible for all of that, the same as if you had ripped the garment by hand or the same as you had, uh, you know, stabbed the person with a knife. Halakhically, there's no difference. So if we swing this back around at, at this point, to uh, the transmission of a virus, to infecting somebody else with a virus, the only way we're going to categorize that as Adam Hamazik, to put it into that specific category, is you would have to sneeze or cough on somebody directly in a way where it gets all over them and there's no way that they're going to be able to escape from the infection. You sneeze into their face or you go ahead and you cough into their, uh, you cough into, in, into their face. So doing that, where it's as it's coming out of your body, it's going into the other person's body. Sorry for the graphic detail. But if as it's coming out of your body, it goes into the other person's body, that we could call giri delay. So again, nobody intends to sneeze necessarily. But once the sneeze comes out and it lands on somebody else, so intent is not going to be, rele is not going to be relevant. And as long as it's coming from you, into the other person. So that is giri delay that the person is going to be responsible. Now, but what we also have to be mindful of, and this swings back around to what you had mentioned, Art, is that is that many that there's the potential, I don't know if we you know have any way of knowing percentages or not percentages or how often this happens, but sometimes what can happen is a person doesn't sneeze onto a second person, person sneezes into the air, and let's assume that the droplets or the virus, the uh, the virus is going to be suspended in air, is going to remain in the air, so that a person, a minute later, 30 seconds later, walks into that area, takes a breath as they normally would, and they happen to breathe in the, uh, the virus at that point. Or let's say the person sneezed or coughed onto a surface and didn't bother to clean the surface, and then the second person comes along and touches that surface, 
and then as a result of touching that surface, gets the virus on their hand. And then when they put their hand now into their mouth, their nose, their eyes, however it's going to get into their, uh, to their body, it gets transmitted, it get, enters into their body that way. So this already, in this scenario, we now have a barrier, we now have a buffer as it were, which separates the, uh, the infectors, if, we could, if that's the term, the infectors um, initial uh, action of putting the virus out into the environment and getting absorbed into the, uh, the body of the one who is infected. So this is why it becomes a little bit less clear. That's why he, he uses that language, yesh ladun, that you'd have to analyze, you'd have to consider exactly what's going on, whether the person who was, in, uh, who was uh, contagious went out in public, hung around with other people, even if he hung around, he, he, uh, he hanged around with other, he hung around with other people. Nonetheless, we can't necessarily pin all of those infections on him in the sense of, again, we're, we're talking very narrowly in terms of liability. We can't necessarily pin it onto him if we don't know for sure that he infected people by sneezing or coughing onto them directly. Rabbi, Schaff, Rabbi Schaffel? Yes. Um, but the case we're talking about is where the two guys have an apartment together. Right. And so the, it, I don't think, I, I, I'm not trying to say I know all of the scientific considerations, but clearly there is a big difference between being with someone inside and being with someone outside. Would this not fall into the category of somebody doing something that's irresponsible? Uh, so for example, um, uh, uh, throwing something up into the air that can cause a damage. And mm -hmm. you can't say that, well, um, I, you know, I, I, I didn't intend that it hit all of these people here, but you're standing around in a crowd of people. So he, it, it seems to me that there's a different element here. It's not just that uh, he didn't sneeze directly on the person or cough on them directly, but it's inside. And we know that there are a number of studies that show that the, the danger of, of transmission is much, much higher in, in an enclosed space. Right. That's absolutely true. Uh, but it, it's, as far as halacha is concerned, it still doesn't make it uh, what, what, what would be characterized as giri delay as his arrows or his, uh, again, his direct sneeze or his direct cough, putting something into the air inside, which is not well ventilated so that it just sort of lingers in the air. And then somebody else comes in and, uh, in, and uh, inhales that. So that is not, uh, as far as damages are concerned, we'll get to, to the, the second point that, that you made in a moment, but as far as being able to hold the infected, the initial infected person liable for damages, it has to meet that very specific uh, parameters of giri delay and coughing into the air and then somebody else walking into the room and inhaling that would not meet that criteria. So right now, the discussion uh, up until now, uh, up until the next moment, uh, the discussion is specifically with regards to liability. The next source which we have over here is the Sefer Hasidim. Anytime you could quote something from the Sefer Hasidim, so it carries a great weight and uh, in, in importance. So he says as follows, what all of you would really expect is going to, would, would be true anyways, but he says explicitly, he says, right, he quotes the Pasuk, uh, the well-known Pasuk, that you're not allowed to put a stumbling block before the blind, so how does he interpret that besides the literal interpretation in the way Chazal understand it in terms of causing somebody else to sin or, uh, or giving a person bad advice, even if it doesn't cause them to sin, but giving them bad advice. He says he uh, offers a, a novel interpretation to that. And that is, Shalom Yirchatz Adam, it's a little bigger. Shalom Yirchatz Adam, Shuhumuka Shechin Im Yehudi Acher. He says, if a person has some sort of skin condition, when he uses the term shechin, I don't know if it's like shechin, which we had in Mitzrayim, or it's some other thing, but let's just assume that it's some contagious skin condition. So he says that one is not allowed to bathe. Again, this is going back to the time with Rishonim, where people did not have indoor plumbing, and there was a communal bathhouse. 
So if a person who has a contagious skin disease goes into the community bathhouse and bathes there, so they run the risk of infecting that other person. So the Sefer Chassidim says that the obligation, the Torah's instruction, says that you're not allowed to go ahead and bathe knowing that you have this infectious skin disease. Unless you go ahead and you tell him. You have to inform the person, listen, I have this skin condition and you may not want to go in the bath uh, at the same time as me. You may not want to go in the bath even after I'm done, whatever the, uh, the case is. But Leif Neighbor says that you're not allowed to place a stumbling block in the sense that you put somebody else at risk. Shinamar. And then he goes ahead and quotes further. It's not clear why he has to uh, invoke uh, additional psukim for this uh, this point. But it's just important to be mindful anyways. Because number one, just like you don't want somebody else to go ahead and potentially put you at risk and infecting you with whatever conditions they have and viruses they have or, or whatever. So also you should be sensitive to that and you should go ahead and warn them. Uksiv, and it also says, that you're not allowed to stand idly when the blood of your brother, the blood of, your, uh, of another person is at risk. Of, of flowing of, of damage. And that also is something which uh, uh, um, warns a person against doing something which is going to put somebody else at risk. So this is what, uh, this is what, uh, so th- this is going to be the general warning against doing so. So there's one discussion which we had until now about whether or not there would be liability for infecting another person. Certain circumstances there is, circumstances there may not how exactly we would categorize that. So that would be an interesting discussion, which again, maybe we'll, uh, we'll, uh, we'll uh, swing back to next week. We'll see how things uh, go. But certainly there's going to be a, a, a concern with the possibility of infecting another person. It's certainly not good mitos. The, the Sefer Hasidim has cited three different psukim, which warn a person against doing something where you're going to potentially uh, infect another person. Okay. So now, no, but, let's... But, but, I mean, that doesn't say anything about damages. He's not allowed to do it, but if he does it, is he liable for damages? Excellent, excellent, right? So you, you know already from Tuesday night, the, uh, the other Tuesday night people aren't as familiar with that phrase, uh, the phrase, but there is a, one of the, uh, the important phrases of Chosha Mishmat is that a person can be a dirty, rotten scoundrel, but not necessarily have to pay. Those are two different ways of being able to uh, judge a person's uh, behavior. And uh, although we would like that anytime a person behaves like a dirty, rotten scoundrel, they should have to pay for that. Uh, I think that's a little bit of our American mentality that we have that, that you could sue anybody you want and you could uh, collect, the, you collect the, in all those cases. But in halacha, they're not necessarily the same. They're not equated. A person could be a bad dude and do bad things and not necessarily be, uh, uh, have to pay for the damages. So I, I threw that in, I threw the Sefer Chassidim specifically so that nobody should think that, well, if there are circumstances where the person isn't responsible for damages, it must be that it's okay, right? Legally, we say, if something is, a, if something is not illegal, then it must be that it's okay to do. So in Halacha, they said that's not, those are two very different shilas. One is financial liability, and then the other is what's considered to be a good behavior. You could violate one and still not cross the line where you have to pay. Okay. Now with that, let's see this source over here. We're going to skip the middle for now. Um, that middle source, which is also from that Mishpat HaMazik, uh, just for, for time. And we'll let's look at this, uh, this tshuva of the Ramah. So the Ramah was asked a similar shayla to the one that we began with, with the two roommates. Not exactly the same, but it's, uh, uh, it's similar enough that we can begin to extrapolate. So he says as follows. Shayla, this is the question. Ruvain Chihiskir Beisolashimim. Ruvain is the landlord. He goes ahead and he signs a lease with Shimon. Shimon is going to be his tenant. And the lease is going to take effect on December 1st. So right now we are November 5th, but they sign a lease where they lock themselves into this agreement and the tenancy is going to begin on December 1st. Lizman acher, shiyadur et sobebeso. And it, as I said, it's going to be, the lease is going to take effect on December 1st. Lizman echad. Lizman echad. Lizman echad. Well, one time, a future time. Excellent. The nigmar And they complete the transaction in a way which is considered legally binding in that particular location 
a separate discussion of what exactly he means by that. That's not, uh, that's not our discussion. But the Kodem Knisas Shimon Labayas, sometime between November 5th, when they signed the lease, and December 1st, when Shimon is going to move into the house. So, Cholsa Eishes Shimon Choli HaKadachas. So Shimon's wife, she becomes ill. Kadachas, I'm pretty sure uh, it is... Um, now I'm drawing a blank on the, uh, the condition. It is... Um, uh, hold on malaria? What? Malaria? Um, no, I don't think it was malaria. It's one of the words in the Tochacha that's going to happen to you if you uh, don't do the right stuff. Yeah, so my, my, my friend went ahead and he translated as hepatitis. Um, where'd you go? Shalene, hepatitis is, uh, is contagious? Depends on what it is? It depends on which hepatitis. There's A, B, and C, and, and it depends what kind of contact you have with the person. Because type A is oral fecal route. Um, type B and C are both bloodstream infected. So if you get blood from another person, then you get you can get hepatitis B. Although there is some crossover and rarely, rarely you do find that person with can get type B from oral fecal route also. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so that, 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 that's what the, how my friend uh, translated. But either way, see, he, she contracts some sort of contagious disease. And then, Ubehagia Zman, this is the Gel Zucht, Belashan Ashkenaz, whatever that's going to mean. Ubehagia Zman Knisa Shimon Lechadro. Now, December 1st rolls in, and uh, Shimon is ready to go ahead and move in. Ruvain Ma'akevalov. Ruvain says, What are you doing? You can't move into my, uh, into my basement apartment over here. Bamro. Because he claims, listen, I rented you the apartment assuming that the two of you are going to be healthy and not having any contagious diseases. I never, if I had known that your wife is going to have a, a, a contagious disease, I never would have rented it to you in the first place. And therefore, the agreement from November 5th is not binding. Because I can't have somebody who's contagious in the house with me. I never would have gone ahead, nobody would go ahead and agree to rent out the apartment, the basement apartment, where they're sharing similar li- living space, where uh, one of them is going to be, or the wife of the one who made, who uh, signed the lease, is uh, is contagious. No way. And as a result of this onus, the circumstance beyond anybody's control, nobody's blaming Shimon, nobody's blaming Shimon's wife for becoming uh, contagious, for getting this, uh, this hepatitis. But the bottom line is, she's sick and she's contagious. And Ruvain doesn't want contagious people in his house. And therefore he's refusing to allow Shimon to exercise the lease and move in on December 1st. So this is the Shiloh which was presented to the, uh, to the Ramah. So the Ramah goes through some analysis, which, which is not relevant for our discussion over here. But he says that uh, in the next paragraph, he says, Now we could say, Being that they made a binding agreement as far as the lease, one which is irreversible, each one is, is legally bound by that. So neither one can back out. This claim that Ruvain has, the landlord says, that, listen, uh, that uh, this circumstance, which is beyond anybody's control, I never would have agreed to this in the first place, says the Ramah, this claim has no validity whatsoever. It's going to be ignored entirely. How do we know that? He says the proof to this is what the Torah writes. If you look in Shinyad Beis, Shinyad Beis and Choshem Ishbet are the halachas of renting houses to another person. And the Torah writes as follows. Amazing halacha. I go ahead and I rent you a house, a yard, a bathhouse. I rent to you some, uh, some real estate for a, for a specified period of time. The lease is a year, two years, three years. So the nature of a lease is that I can't go ahead and throw you out during the period of the lease. If you have a two-year lease, you, you're locked in for those two years, and I can't say to you, you know what? I changed my mind. It's my house. Get out. Not only that, 
Let's say uh, I would have let you have the two-year lease. I had no issue with it. I wanted you to be there. But it happened to be that a tornado came and it, uh, my, uh, and it blew away my trailer home. I have no place to live. I'm homeless now and you're living in my other house. You're living in the other trailer. So I should be, I, I should be homeless while you're living in my house. Forget it. I'm canceling the lease. You get out and I'm going to live in what's my property. So the tour says, even in such a situation, I can't throw you out. Your lease uh, uh, mandates, uh, your lease obligates me to continue to provide you the house as long as it still exists. And I can't do so saying, had I known that I was going to be homeless and have no place to live as a result of this lease, I never would have done so. Doesn't hold up, uh, doesn't carry any weight. But Amro, with my claim, with my claim that had I realized that this was going to occur, I never would have rented it to you. Doesn't matter. And therefore I have to go ahead, and the Ramah also mentions this case, where, or the tour mentions the case, that I would have to go ahead and accept uh, somebody who is contagious the same way. And uh, it doesn't make a difference. None of that is going to carry any weight whatsoever. A lease is binding. And being that a lease is binding, so therefore uh, I have no right to go ahead and throw you out. And not only is that true, even if it means that I'm going to be homeless because I need to continue to provide you with that, uh, that, uh, that uh, I have to honor the, the lease, which gives you the right to live on my property. Uh, that's too bad, so sad for me. Rule number one of Choshemish, but too bad, so sad. You get to stay for the duration of the lease and I have to move into a hardware box on Lower Wacker Drive. And the same thing is going to be true that if there is a binding lease agreement that we have, so you have the right to exercise that lease and the fact that somebody in the family is contagious. So that's too bad, so sad on the landlord. The lease is binding and once they made a binding agreement, so the, uh, that's not going to, uh, you're not going to go ahead and uh, uh, get out of it. Um, the, lease, the lease may be binding, but that doesn't mean he can move in. If he's contagious, he violates one of the other principles we just mentioned. Yeah, so, so that, that, that's why the first step of the Ramah was the, uh, was the idea that uh, once there's a binding agreement, even though it didn't even take effect yet, nobody could back out. The Kenyan on the thing already makes it irreversible. And he says, sorry, because I went back a paragraph. And it happens to be that even in, let's say, uh, the landlord, uh, uh, the, uh, the real estate bubble pops, and the, uh, the landlord is now has, uh, has no money, and he has to sell the building uh, for, you know, to, just to get put food on his table. Still, that doesn't give him the right to throw out the tenant. Imkain, so the Ramah says, So we see we don't go after this claim that had I realized and had I thought about this and known that this was going to happen, I never would have done so in the first place. To that we say, too bad, so sad. Because that's what happens when you sign a lease. So Harei Mashma, skipping a little bit of the Ramah's argument, this implies, that if it was within the, when, whenever this happens, whenever something happens within the period of the lease, so the landlord has no claim whatsoever to be able to throw out the tenant. That his circumstances change or that circumstances are now different and he never would have done so once you have a Kenyan, so everybody is bound by that, uh, by that Kenyan. So therefore, says the Ramah in his case, where Ruvain was trying to block Shimon from being able to, uh, to move in. So the Ramah says, Im Kain, just to read the end of this here, Kol Benidon Didon. So certainly in our case, There's no ones over here. It's just that the maskir, the landlord, doesn't want to go ahead and share space together with the tenant. So what does Zerma say to the landlord who he says, legally, you can, halakhically, you can't back out of the lease. You're uncomfortable with the fact that there's somebody who's with a contagious condition living in your house. So Vim Yirtza, so the Rama says, this is the mamish, the ultimate too bad, so sad. If it wasn't so long, I would use this instead. But he says, Vim Yirtza, Yachol Ador That's the, the Rama to the landlord. If you're uncomfortable, so move out. You go somewhere else. But that person, your tenant, has a binding lease. And if you're uncomfortable, get out of here. 
you have no right to go ahead and retract from the lease agreement that you have with with your tenant and throw him out based on these uh, based on this uh, this claim. And therefore, since he has the right to be there, therefore, uh, if uh, if if you're uncomfortable with it, it's you. Then you go ahead and move somewhere else. But the tenant doesn't have to go anywhere else. Isn't Good? there a difference between not breaking the lease and not and and the tenant who has a legal right to move in can't move in because of the other laws we just discussed? You can't put a stumbling block in front of a, a person who's blind, for instance. Right. So he. So what? What, what the? What? What the Sefer Chasim had said. Excellent point, Mel. Thank you. What the Sefer Hasidim has said was that I'm not allowed to do so without telling you. I can't go into the bath without letting you know that I have some uh, infectious skin condition. If I tell you, then uh, then, you, then, you, then you can make the informed decision whether you want to go ahead and use that same water or not. Now there, you could say that maybe in that case, which it would probably be the uh, which would probably be the halacha, that nobody really has a right to go into the bath, and therefore certainly the bathhouse owner can make uh, whatever rules he wants as far as who's allowed in. That certainly is true, but once a person has the right to be there, so then that becomes a binding halachic right, which they have the right to go ahead and enforce. So now, yeah, Bacha. Sure. So we're also assuming that there's nothing in the contract that allows for these sort of conditions, meaning like I know that now in the time of Corona in particular, when you are going to rent, let's say a vacation place, there might be something in there that has a contingency that would allow for an exemption. Like if someone comes down with Corona, then the contract is null and void. Or if something happens, then, you know, you cannot, you must vacate the premises. So we're assuming that in this case, there was no such condition. And then something happened where somebody got sick and then it's like, well, now you have to hold by the contract because you didn't build into the contract. Okay. Right. So if there's something in the contract, so that becomes binding. If the, uh, the landlord goes ahead and makes stipulations, so then that, uh, that, that, that prevails. Um, uh, um, One of the major differences between last school year and this school year, in terms of the discussion of parents paying their full tuition agreement or paying, you know, getting some sort of discount and all of those things. Uh, the fundamental difference is that last year, everybody was caught off guard and nobody was able to put in stipulations saying that even if we shut down and even if we go remote, you're still going to pay the full amount anyways. So that's why for last year's school year term, so that's why you had all of the disagreements and all of the discussions and playgroups and all of those things, babysitting, all of those things, it was only relevant last school year because come this school year, everybody put provisions in place to say what they expect is going to be. Uh, We signed a wedding contract where in order to get the wedding hall, there's an agreement that in the event that things get shut down, even through nobody's fault and circumstance beyond their control, that they are going to be keeping a certain amount of money no matter what, just because they can. Uh, So those things are, they, they became smarter once the initial stuff hit and there was nothing that nobody had planned for it. So correct. If there's a, a, a binding contract in place, so then those provisions of the contract would prevail. In the event that there was something legal, uh, there was a, 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 a law about uh, what happens in that type of thing that also would prevail. So all of this assumes that there's no contract and there's no legal um, input which would, uh, which would impact the, uh, the case. So swing it back down to the, uh, to the roommates over here. So with regards to the roommates over here, so when these two roommates go ahead and they sign a lease together, each one of them has rights to be able to live in that place. And therefore, the one who is not ill cannot say to the one who is ill, listen, now that you're ill and you're the one who's going to potentially infect me with the virus, you got to go move somewhere else. Because the person with the illness can say, listen, I have every right to be here the same as, as you. You have no reason to go ahead and um, uh, deny me the rights which I have acquired. And as a result of that, he could say that, listen, the same way as the Roma, that if you're un- uncomfortable being here while I am contagious, then you could go somewhere else. 
and that uh, seemingly that would be the uh, the halacha in that case with regards to these two roommates that uh, the one who is contagious has the right to uh, to to be there, and the other one uh, seemingly would have to go uh, uh, find another place to live for the next ten days, two weeks, however long the uh, the person is is contagious. Doesn't yes, uh, delay come into play here? Does the who? Uh, if I pronounce it correctly, giray uh, delay. Giri delay, yeah. Well, it's it's your arrow. If I get sick and it's your arrow, you're you're liable. So why would you stay in the house? And right. Get me so sick? so there is uh, excellent. So the, part of the discussion, uh, which uh, which we did not touch upon, but now that you raise it, I'll just uh, I'll let you know uh, quickly um, that one of the uh, fundamental principles in Maseches Baba Basra. Now we're moving from Baba Kama, which is damages, over to Baba Basra, which is about uh, between neighbors. So one of the principles over there is when there's going, there are certain categories of damage where we say, there's the opinion of Rabiosi, who says, al-hanizak laharchik, meaning that the one who is potentially going to be harmed, he has a responsibility to stay away. So there are certain types of damages where we say it is the uh, mazik, it is the damager's responsibility not to damage. And then there are certain types of things where we say to the potentially harmed person that you have to go ahead and take, case, uh, take uh, precautions and protect yourself and uh, the other person is not, uh, doesn't have to. So it could be in this type of case, it's not clear. Usually that has to do with nizke shcheinim. It has to do, let's say, with my tree roots going into your property and damaging your uh, your uh, your tomatoes or your uh, your cucumbers. Uh, Mel, we didn't get any from you this year. I assume it's because uh, <laughs> we weren't going out. But, but 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 they were missed. They were it was noticed and it was it was missed. But they, they, it's usually in those types of things. Whether it would apply to infectious disease, contagious diseases. So that's not something which is uh, which is so clear. That probably won't be part of the article either. Okay, and we're, and so, we're totally ignoring the fact that now that he's been exposed, he can't go anywhere anyway, right? Right. So uh, that's what I was thinking. Like, why? Why is he leaving anyway? He's already been exposed. They're both stuck. Um, well, they may. They may have to. Uh, the. the uh, yeah. Uh, right. Because you're you're saying that the second guy is quarantined anyways. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so the. the but, so, so we're assuming that that's not that's being taken out of the argument for the sake of the argument. Um, correct. I didn't. I didn't think that all the way through. That's a. That, that's a good point. Um, uh, but as far as uh, yeah. The only thing about the second guy being quarantined is that he's going to stay in the same apartment with his friend who also who who definitely has COVID. So even if he hasn't, even if he hasn't um, already developed COVID. By staying there, he has an increased chance of getting it. So, it isn't there an also a difference between quarantining and isolating? The one with COVID needs to be separate from the one who has to quarantine. Let's say there's only one bedroom in the apartment. Right. So that I mean, how can they effectively have a quarantine situation and an isolate situation at the same time? So that, that that will address, I think, Ellen's point that it's a, if if that's the case, that one person has to be isolated because they're positive, and the other person needs to quarantine. But the person who's in quarantine doesn't want to take the risk that if he doesn't have it yet, he may get it. So he wants the other person to leave. Uh, say that there's one bedroom, it's a one bedroom apartment, and they're uh, you know they 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 share a room. So what are, what are they going to do now? Somebody's got to go. Or, I mean, it could also be that they have a shared kitchen area, a shared living space, you know, that, uh, that one guy wants to go into and the other guy doesn't. The big screen TV is in the other room. <laughs> yeah, but, Why but, can't one of them live in the mass sun? Yeah, if, if that's available for them, so then... Uh, enough yeah, but, you know, but the, the CDC says now that it's 15 minutes exposure within six feet over the course of 24 hours. Surely he's been exposed. Yeah, yeah. But, but that would only require quarantine. It doesn't mean he's positive yet. Exactly. But he, it does require quarantine. Now, if he leaves, then he's the one who's taking the chance of, of inspecting somebody else. Inspecting now. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Excellent. So can, can I back up and ask a more theoretical question? Um, you, um, the, you drew the distinction between coughing in someone's face and coughing into the air. 
mm-hmm. uh, is the is the is the the fact that he coughed into the air is the crucial factor in that being more lenient is the crucial factor the time delay or the lack of certainty there's both a time delay between when the next person comes along and there's also a, a lack of certainty that anybody's going to get infected Right. Uh, so, so are, are they both are they both crucial or just one of them or or you know how does that go? Uh, so I, I'm not sure about the word crucial, but they're both relevant factors. You're correct that they're both relevant factors to mitigate the person who's tested positive their liability. Uh, right. I mean, so in, in certain circumstances, it could it could uh, it could lead to a situation if, if there's more than two people we know who are within this room who have tested positive, then you don't have anybody to go after. Because each one says, that's rule number one of So they go to the first person infected and say, listen, you went ahead and got somebody else sick. He says, it wasn't me. It was Shimon who got everybody else sick. And then they go to Shimon and say, Shimon, you got everybody else sick. He said, it wasn't me. It was Ruvain. So that certainly, uh, you know, would, uh, would, would, would mitigate. But right, if it's, if it's somebody's getting it off of a surface, so it may, not, it may be impossible to track and say it was for sure from this person, which would also mitigate, uh, you know, liability, financial Rabbi, liability. Rabbi Schaffel? Yes, okay. I, I, have to, I have to leave to go to another class. So okay. see you all guys. Rabbi Schaffel, I understand yes. that the absolute halacha is, is as you described it. However, if the two people decided to go to a bedroom and they, the judge, uh, one of the judges speaking for the court, said to them, we'd like to have this settled by Prashara. Mm-hmm. So then it would be up to the court. Would the, would, uh, the I understand Prashara is what the court says, but would the, de- would the general leaning be that, uh, they would have to split the additional cost of, of housing? Um, if, if they submit to some sort of pshara, so then it would really be up to the discretion. If they can't negotiate a settlement between the two of them, then the, it would be up to the discretion of, of Basin to decide how they're going to, uh, what they're going to do. Thank you. you. Know, the, Basin has pretty uh, broad... Um, um, uh, I don't know, rights isn't the right word, but they have pretty broad uh, power to go ahead and, uh, and assist in the, pro- in the process of pshara, assuming that everybody signed on to that. Yeah, Linda, we... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.